I was very fortunate because I was in a position where I could travel a lot. And I was able to visit countries I never even dreamed that I would be able to visit. And it opened up my whole world. Welcome to Podcasting in Real Life, the Buzzsprout show where we dive into the real-life stories of podcasters that are still in the middle of their podcasting journey. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, head of content at Buzzsprout. And you probably won't hear anyone famous on these podcast episodes, but instead, you'll hear everyday podcasters just like you share personal stories about how podcasting has impacted them and the things that they've learned along the way. And in today's conversation, I had the privilege of sitting across from the host of Speaking of Travel, Marilyn Ball. And she had some really amazing things to share in our interview. First and foremost, she does not record in a spare bedroom of her house. She records her podcast at iHeartRadio in Asheville, North Carolina. So I was drilling her with all kinds of questions about what it's like to work at iHeart, working with someone who edits her show, having something that's professional and set up. And I just wanted to kind of get a feel for what that experience is like, because as awesome as the Buzzsprout studio is that we've set up here in our home office, there's just nothing like going into an actual radio studio. And so she shares her experience doing that. But I think the thing that will really be helpful for so many of you listening is I got Marilyn to spill the beans on her secret method for attracting and keeping long-term sponsors. Because that's really the rub when it comes to monetizing your podcast through sponsorships, is if you don't do it right, then you might get some initial traction, you might get some people to say yes early on, but if you don't develop a relationship with those influential people at those companies or with those businesses, then you're going to end up cycling through more sponsors than is desirable and you end up having to spend more time tracking down people to sponsor your show than actually putting your show together. And so Marilyn shares how she's able to get sponsors to agree to one year. Do you hear that? One year sponsorship deals. And so if that's something you've been thinking about, definitely want to pay attention to what Marilyn shares. And as I alluded to, Marilyn's podcast actually began as a radio show. And it was something that she decided to start when she wasn't able to travel as much as she wanted to. Okay, so my background is actually in marketing and public relations. I ran an ad agency here in Asheville, North Carolina, for 18 years during an emerging time of tourism and hospitality and economic development. So my background was always in travel and tourism because I worked so much in those industries as they were growing in this region. And after 18 years, I decided, because there was a lot going on in the economy, the agency world was changing, my partner was retiring, so I left and started my own company. So I became an entrepreneur, and I started a small business. I called it 1212 Collaborative Solutions, because my background was about collaboration, working together, and 1212 is my birthday. So it was going to be all about me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was able to have some really great clients, especially in the travel and tourism industry here in Western North Carolina. And 
I ended up going and teaching entrepreneurship and marketing to small business owners and realized, you know, I need a business plan. I developed a business plan and really became a business. I hadn't thought that I would be a business person, but I became a business. And I was very fortunate because I was in a position where I could travel a lot. And I was able to visit countries I never even dreamed that I would be able to visit. And it opened up my whole world. After a couple of years, my business, my 1212, was going through some transitions. And I wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go in. And I realized that I wasn't going to be able to travel as much. Circumstances were changing. And I ended up getting acquainted by some people here with Chris Gillibo, who does the World Domination Summit in Portland, Oregon. And they were like, you should go to that. Because I was questioning, where am I in my career and my identity? So many things were changing. And so I did. I went to Portland by myself. There were about 3,000 people there. We broke the Guinness World Record the first day by holding hands in inner tubes in the river. (laughs) (laughs) And the people who were speaking were just regular folks like us who just decided to get off the treadmill, that they were frustrated in their everyday work. They didn't want to do a nine-to-five job anymore. They wanted to travel. The whole theme was around travel, adventure, and service. And all three of those spoke to me. I was so moved at that summit that I came back thinking, there has to be a way that I can find my passion you know, what is it that I really love? And I realized I really love to travel. And I really love to talk to people about their travel and live vicariously through them. And in Asheville, you can't go to a dinner party without somebody telling you where they just came from or their Peace Corps experience or something around travel. And right at that time, I had a friend who was starting a low-powered radio station And he was looking for people to do community shows. So I had a friend who was doing a food and wine show. And I went and observed him a couple of times. It's like, why can't I do something like that around travel? So I proposed it. And the guy was really generous. And he said, sure, we'll do a pilot. Now, remember, I had been on the other side of media and radio for 20 years. I'd never been on a mic or on that side And I brought one of my friends over to the studio and asked her about her trip to Korea and how she'd been in the Peace Corps. And it was a 30-minute show, and it went by so fast. And it was like, wow, that was fun. Let's do it again next week. So for two years, I did that show with him on that station, which grew to having more community radio networks. I was broadcast in some other little towns around western North Carolina And then I decided, this is feeling good. As Chris Gillibo would say, it was kind of my side hustle. Like I was still doing marketing and PR, and I had clients. And I was fortunate because I had the revenue to support my fun hobby that I got to do. But what I found is that I loved the research, finding out who these people were. It wasn't just going in blindly and say, tell me your story. I wanted to dig deeper with them. And... I went to iHeartRadio, where I'd 
been buying media for many, many years. They knew me, and I said, you know, I'd like to come over here and do my radio show and make it longer and get sponsors and maybe someday be big, have billboards. <laughs> I mean, I was, like, dreaming really big. And it took them a couple of months to realize, oh, here, we'll give Marilyn a Sunday slot. She can have her hobby and her fun time. And that was four years ago. And when I went to iHeart, they said, you know, here's your studio, here's your producer, who was a producer friend from 20 years ago when I was at the agency. And the two of us just looked at each other and went, wow, <laughs> look at us, you know. And that meant having the ability to talk to people all over the world. And there were people that I'd met at World Domination like Tess Viglin, who had been a national public radio host herself and left her job and was buying a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia and leaving everything behind. Why was Tess doing that? I just sent her an email. Hey, Tess, would you be on my show? You know, the next thing I knew, I could go to virtually any travel blog and say, wow, I like what you're doing. Would you be on my show? And they'd say, sure. You know, everybody wants the publicity. And so over the last four years, I've been able to really build on this reputation that the people I interview, and I interview people here in our own backyard, if they have a great story of maybe a road trip to the Grand Canyon with their grandchildren. What I have found about the show is that, A, I get to live vicariously through other people, and B, they are so inspiring whether they've just taken a trip to the Grand Canyon or whether they've sold everything they owned and took a backpack to Southeast Asia, they inspire me and my listeners because they're jumping off. They're making a change in their life. They're taking a risk. They're following their passion. I love that. I want that to be something that everybody can listen to, whether you're Whatever your political slant, whatever your religious, it doesn't matter. People travel. And I always ask my guests, did you travel when you were a kid? It's always a question that can bring out that story because some people lived in Oklahoma, never saw the ocean until they were 20 years old, and now they travel the world. Other people had parents who were airline pilots, and they traveled all the time by themselves, you know, when they were kids. So I've found that travel is a unifier that brings people together. That is a really cool story. Now, something that I want to kind of dig deeper into is you mentioned that you kind of started in radio, which is not what I would say is the norm for most people that have podcasts, right? Most people have podcasts specifically because they don't have access to a radio station. So what was that like being on the radio? I'm guessing every single week. Was it live? Was it pre-recorded? Like, tell me a little bit more about what it was like having a radio show. How is that different than a podcast? I guess that's the question that I'm curious about. Okay, so every week I go to a, to a studio with a producer, you know, and sometimes I have guests, two or three guests. And for one hour... I get to have that space with a little thing outside that says, on air, on air. Those are fun. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Got to have a little sign. Exactly. That flashes. And and that's my time. I feel like that's I have somehow 
ended in this zone of being able to hear other people's stories for one hour. And so I do that. And then what happens is the show is aired on Sundays at 10 a.m. on an a.m. iHeart radio station here in Western North Carolina. I have about 5,000 listeners a month who actually tune in and listen. And it is uploaded to the iHeartRadio app. So it's also on their app. And it is also broadcast through Buzzsprout because I have a Buzzsprout account. Early on, I realized I need to be able to upload these episodes also and have them as part of my collective, not just have them out on the iHeart app, but to be able to have those myself. I have over 300 on my Buzzsprout. And so after the guest is on and the show airs, I post it through social media and I put the link to actually my Buzzsprout. But it also is linked to the iHeartRadio app. People know that. And through Buzzsprout, I was able to then connect to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, which suddenly set me up like, oh, look at that. Now I can say I'm on all these platforms. And then one day I realized iHeart bought a podcast platform and now are promoting podcasts. And I've started to shift my radio show marketing to it being a podcast. And the research I'm doing through all this research that iHeart is doing is that people are listening to podcasts in their living rooms, just like they used to listen to the radio. It's not some foreign thing that only 20-somethings are doing. (laughs) People in retirement homes are doing it. So that makes me very happy because I grew up in a radio family. My parents listened to the radio. I grew up listening to the radio. When I go to the radio station and I sit in a chair of people who were before me 50 years ago making change happen, I feel proud. So my radio show is a big part of what Speaking of Travel is, but it's also a podcast. That's something I'm very grateful for. (laughs) Yeah, and that's a really cool heritage to just recognize, you know, that it's not just you striking on your own, but you're also benefiting from all the people that came before you as well. Sometimes I, I literally go to the station and I feel I feel them. And I've been very fortunate too because the people who are in radio, who've been in radio for 50 years, are my mentors. Like who would have thought that at my stage in my career that I would have these people who have been in the industry who are considered leaders in their, in their industry are mentoring me because they're so excited that I'm excited. It's bringing them back to how they felt back in the day. So everybody's supporting me and wants me to do well. And I'm always going to them like, okay, well, help me. (laughs) That's always nice. It's always nice to have a little community around you to help you along the way. Definitely. Now, one thing that I'm curious about, I'm actually totally ignorant about this, so I'm really interested, is kind of the nature of your relationship with iHeartMedia and iHeartRadio with your podcast, what they own, what you own, Like you have local sponsors that are sponsors for your radio show. What does that relationship look like? Do you interact with them? Is that an iHeartMedia thing? Like I'm just really curious the behind the scenes stuff 
that's involved in putting your show together, like what that relationship looks like between you and iHeart? So originally when iHeart brought me on board, they said, here's your show. We're not going to promote it, but you can promote it. You know, it's on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and it's a community show. We're not putting a salesperson on that. Our salespeople are for the Monday through Friday programming. They have like six or seven stations there. So my station happens to be the oldest station, but it is currently, during the week, is a right-wing Rush Limbaugh kind of thing. On Sundays, it's community shows, churches, gardening, and speaking of travel. My major client for 20 years was Harris Cherokee Casino, which is the largest, you know, the Cherokee Indian own and Harris operates. So I bought a lot of radio for them. And so specifically, you bought a lot of ad spots with iHeartRadio for your clients. Yes. Okay. So for them, it's like, hey, Marilyn, we love you. You're our biggest supporter. (laughs) You want a radio show? You go for it, girlfriend. And so I did because I loved it so much. And I realized this is what I'm good at. I am good at being an interviewer. I've been doing it my whole life. All these things have been coming up for me in my own personal journey Oh, look at you. You've been interviewing people since you were a kid. When you were in college, you had your own byline, writing stories about people where you interviewed them. I get paid to do that for my work, write stories about people. So it came naturally to me. And the more I realized that I could ask anybody, even Chris Gillibo was on my show because I asked him and he said, okay. I could be the next Barbara Walters. You know, my show should be NPR. I have tried to sell my show to NPR, like, please, because what I'm doing is so important, the work that I'm doing. So over the years, I was able to go out and sell sponsorships. And I had a real estate company who was my realtor who came on board right from the beginning. And I kept going to the Asheville Regional Airport and saying, you should be on my show. And... She was like, yeah, we don't do radio. And I'm saying, but it's not really radio. It's creating community. And the airport will be so endorsed by me that people will look favorably at the airport instead of griping about when planes are late. They'll say, oh, but we can get a draft beer. You can tell the story on my show. Well, they came on board as a sponsor. This is their third full. They pay by the year. So they're on all year long. And we've created programming. They put a big backlit sign at the airport, proud to be a sponsor of Speaking of Travel, iHeart. So iHeart is all over my show. And I've, over the years, been able to talk to them about, you know, how is this really going to work now that I want it to be bigger? And so basically, I sell sponsorships, and then I give them back a, a certain percentage when I can. And then they promote the show with commercials about my show. And I've met with everybody from the program manager, the sales manager to the general manager that I want this show to go big and I want them to back me. And now that iHeart has podcast level programming, I want to be on that level. 
the other part is that through this process, because I'm a big believer in the journey, not the end destination. And that's what I love about the theme of travel is we're all on a journey. How are we going to get there? Let's take baby steps and let's pay attention where we can get what our needs are to go to the next step and the next step to eventually reach that dream that we're all going towards. And learning more and more about podcasting, to bring it back to the nature of the theme of this show, is that I'm suddenly learning that people are podcasting now because they want change. They want to be able to be a contributor to educating people and helping people tell their stories. And that's what I'm all about. And I know that I would be able to do that and find a way to do that no matter what the circumstances are. I'm solid in that now. Still scary. And sometimes I feel on the edge, like, wow, this is... But then I remember back to the people at World Domination, you know, to Tess Figlin, who wrote a book called Leap, you know, how to leave your job without a safety net. We all feel that. What's going to happen? And yet when you're truly passionate about it, you feel that there's some kind of vapor that's just going to let you float, you know, until you get to the next level. And all my guests, they tell that in their stories too. So it reaffirms that, hey, we're all doing that. That's good. So something that I want to ask you about is your approach to finding sponsors that are a good fit for your podcast, but then also just good for developing a long-term relationship. Because I think that's the piece that many podcasters can miss is they think, well, I just need to find sponsors for my show and I can monetize it. But you don't want to just be cycling through all these sponsors that keep churning out because they buy an ad spot and then they stop and then you're chasing more people. So so how have you been successful with like the Asheville Airport giving you year-long sponsorship deals? How do you approach those relationships? How do you find the right fit? You know, anything and everything that you can share I think would be super helpful. Okay, so the key is, as you said, relationship building. You're not just going out and going through the phone book and saying, let's say for travel, oh, here's a luggage company. That would make perfect sense. And they're at the mall. Who wouldn't want that? You know, they're usually corporate. So for me, certainly I want to find local first. And that's been the base for me is who would be attracted to speaking of travel on a local basis. And certainly the number one would be the Asheville Airport because that would make most sense. So when she first committed to coming on, she said, we want to do this for a full year. And then suddenly it was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. I usually sell my sponsorships for three-month commitment. So somebody would come in January, February, March for three months. And I have a sales pitch piece that shows for three months, here's what you get. My show is one hour long. So there are three breaks in each show. During those breaks, my sponsors can have a 30-second commercial. And so I don't want to put too many in there because then it sounds like regular radio. I want to have sponsors who I would endorse. I don't want somebody in there that I wouldn't even use. 
So for, for the first couple of years, it was kind of challenging because I'd get three-month, 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 three-month commitments. I had a couple, one full year. Well, actually, the airport was my full year. But then I was filling in three months here, three months here, three months here, to where I would usually have two or three sponsors. So in addition to getting their commercials, they also get their logo on my website, blog posts. Basically, I tell them... Let's sit down and talk about what would work for you. How can we work together so that I can best promote what you want to sell? I have a tour group right now. That made a good fit. They do tours. I actually did a little trade with them. They pay so much for the sponsorship, and I get to take tours. I love that, right? I get to go around and take tours. So I'm always kind of thinking, too, What's good for me? How can I work this? So looking at my cash flow analysis, I can figure out how this is going to work. Okay, so in the case of the airport, I went to them. We sat down. I said, how can we make this work? So one of the things that I do with them is that the marketing director comes to my studio once every quarter, and she records four or five travel tips. Hi, this is Tina Kinsey with the Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you today. And that will run every week as one of her commercials. So not only does she have a commercial and two breaks that are regular airport commercials, but one break is a travel tip by Tina Kinsey. And on my website, I have a page called Travel Tips, and it's all her travel tips where I upload the audio. So when you go to the webpage, you can click on her talking, just like she was on my show. That's proven to be very successful. And then the other program we developed is once every few months, I go to the airport with their other marketing person. She meets me over there. She takes me back through the terminal. I'm badged. I don't have to go through security. (laughs) That's nice. I sit out in the terminal and we scope out all the people who are getting ready to leave on a trip. And I ask them if they would be willing to let me interview them, kind of a woman on the street in the terminal. And so I interview them. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. I'm at the Asheville Regional Airport. I'm talking to Joe. Oh, where are you going, Joe? And he's already told me all this, but he's going to Denver on the nonstop flight from Asheville to Denver. Oh, have you ever been to Asheville? Little conversation. Can you give me a travel tip? And then I always ask, what do you love about the Asheville Regional Airport? Boom, they're getting marketing research. We call this series, Speaking of Flying. I put it on Buzzsprout. They put it on their website. We do a little profile about the people. They love that. And it puts me out there and gives me credential. I've had real estate companies who have been on I had an ad agency contact me about a client they thought was a great fit that is an active living retirement community that happens to be by the airport and the people who live there travel. And in their mind, wouldn't that make sense to market to people who travel about a place they can retire with people who love to travel? So over time, as my credential has grown, I've been able to get a little bit more choosy I don't feel as desperate, let's put it that way. I have a good track record to where I then went in and put together a proposal. Hey, if you come on board for 12 months, we can do even more. So my goal 
of course, is to have four year-long sponsors. But I started with three-month commitment. Now, have I ever deviated on that? I had a sponsor for one month. They just could do one month. But the way that we did it was that I went to their location, which happened to be a wine trail, and they put me up overnight, and I did the show on location at the wineries. That was worth it for me for a month. I'm not going to do that all the time, but there's always going to be exceptions. The key is really longevity. No, I think everything you just shared is gold. I'm so happy that you did. <laughs> I think that's great. Well, because it, it just shows like there's so much more intention and thought that goes behind trying to monetize your content, your show, than just trying to figure out who's going to throw money at me and then you know hope it works out. Like there's a lot of thought, there's a lot of intention, creating unique content, developing relationships. But then when you do the extra work to make those relationships happen, then the payoff is huge, right? Because now you have something that's dependable, you have a relationship, you're getting to use your creativity to try different segments in your show and make it interesting. And it just sounds like like that would be the most fun way to monetize your podcast that I can think of. Fun is what I'm all about. And <laughs> <laughs> I want to say too that one of my other sponsors that I'd been really, I had to feel confident myself to go to them and say, speaking of travel would be a good fit for you, is our local Subaru dealer. In Asheville, every other car is a Subaru. So I want to be in their world and their marketing director is somebody that I had worked with years ago when I was buying media for the casino, and he was my media rep. And when I felt I was ready, I contacted him, and I said, can you get me in with the owner? Because I'm sure that once I tell him what Speaking of Travel is about, he'll get it, and he'll want to be on the show. And they've been on for six months. So... Having confidence in what you're doing is so important. Being thoughtful and mindful of who you want. I listened to some of your other podcasts, and it was really a, an eye-opener for me to, and I think what you're doing here is so brilliant, to be able to talk to people who are doing podcasting and hear their story because you are somewhat panicked and desperate when you're first starting out. You want it to work so bad that you're willing to make choices that are not right for you. And then there's drama and loss of money and loss of sleep even. You don't have to do that. If you take a few minutes and you look around your own community, if your podcast is about people in your community, then reach out to the people. Now, I never would have thought a real estate company would be interested in travel, but that makes perfect sense because their message that I would say through their commercials and as I endorse them was, if you're coming to the Asheville area, here's who you need to talk to if you're looking at buying a house. And even if you live here and you want to buy a house, here's who you need to talk to. You know, over four years, people think of that. So... My objective is to be able to grow my audience through my sponsors and get as diverse as I possibly can so that it can continues to grow out. Well, and what I love about each of your sponsors is they are not the normal podcast sponsors that people think of, right? Like you're not, you're not sponsored by MailChimp, at least that I can 
tell you're not sponsored by like a mattress company. It's like, no, these are people that fit with my show that I have a relationship with, with, and that actually complement the content of the show that make it better by being a part of it. And I can tell you, I never would have really thought in my own brainstorming, oh, I think I'm going to look at active living retirement community. Hmm. That would be a good fit. <laughs> but when they came to me and said that would be a good fit because they thought it, then I realized, wow, this is like the perfect client. They got it before I even got it. And now that we're all in it, we can make this really work for them. And I'm going to do a whole show about senior travel. And I'm going to bring in people from that community on the show to talk about senior travel, a theme I haven't broached yet. So when they heard that, they were ecstatic. And here's the other thing I, I want to tell you real quick, which I think is important, something that I just started doing. For the sponsors that come in and make a commitment, I will offer them an hour-long show if it's something they want to do and something that we feel would fit in. But what I just started doing that is becoming very popular is that I'll do a 20-minute podcast just for them. So they come in the studio. I don't care who they bring in. Usually it's a general manager or somebody. But they come in, or I'll go on location with my little setup, and for 20 minutes they just talk about, they have an open mic. I bring up a question that's open-ended that we had already talked about, they want to focus on, and then they do that. I put it on Buzzsprout. And then I send them that link. Then they can use that 20-minute podcast in their marketing. They can put it on social media. They love that. And it, it is a part of marketing for them. And it's a part of marketing for me. And that's something that I use my producer at iHeart. So it's quality production. And he puts a little music at the front and a little music at the end. And I always say, this is Marilyn Ball. I'm here for speaking of travel, talking to you know, blah de blah So having a podcast kind of within a podcast can be a good idea. Oh, that is a clever idea. That is super clever. And again, just goes back to how can I make this a collaborative relationship between me and the platform that I have and the sponsors I'm reaching out to and what their ultimate goals are. I think that's a really clever idea. Well, I think if, if you can take what you just said, that is the essence of my show and the essence of what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. And then something else that you brought up that just in passing that I think is a really interesting note is uh, when you're talking about the winery uh, experience, the, the one month thing, that monetizing your show doesn't necessarily have to mean cash. It could be some other kind of value exchange. Well, I'll tell you a quick story that's in the process of happening right now is that there's a woman who contacted me and she has a company and she rents a van, like a fully glammed van, which van life is becoming a thing. And I've done a couple of interviews and it's really a cool movement. And she has an idea that is a little different. Like instead of going in and buying a van and doing it, why don't you test drive? Make sure it's really a lifestyle that you want. So she outfitted this van. And I said, well, you would be a perfect fit because I'm a big supporter of van life. I've had other van life people on. I love your idea. 
And she said, well, I really can't afford it right now. I'm just starting my company. I still have my day job. You know, this was her side hustle. So I talked to my producer, who I just adore, and I always feel like I'm getting, I'm reaping all the benefits. He's doing all the work. And he takes a week vacation down at the Outer Banks. And I said, how would you like to take an outfitted van for a week? He's like, wow, how could that even happen? So I contacted her and I said, what if we make this arrangement where you pay this much per month and the rest of the value we put into a bank so that by September, my producer could have the van for a week to take to the outer banks? Well, now we're looking at doing that. Yeah, and I mean, I've even done it where I would promote someone's products not because they paid me, but because they gave me the product for free, right? And so it's like, it was a thousand dollar piece of software that I really wanted. And it's like, yeah, for them, it doesn't cost them anything to just give me a license to this product. But for me, the value is incredible. You can get creative about how, how to make this work for you. And this is an important part that I think is something that comes with experience and understanding your own path is that at some point, revenue isn't just monetized revenue. You look at your cash flow as not just cash, but what's flowing. How can I make my personal cash flow work? I need this much every month. However, I want to do all these things. So how can I make that work and get out of the perception and the headset that we have to have X amount of dollars to find our worth when really our worth has to come from our quality of life and are we doing what we really want to be doing? And then these opportunities show up. And and by paying attention... I've been able, we have the big Biltmore estate here, it's, you know, Vanderbilt's home, largest private home. I've been able to, to do their falconry program. I mean, I never in a million years would have thought a falcon would land on my arm. And next week, I'm doing their Land Rover experience. That's a big monetary experience, a two-hour experience. And I was in a workshop, and I met some people, and I said, you know, I have a radio show. I'd love to give Land Rover a little exposure. Oh, why don't you come do the experience? Okay, this is how, how you monetize anymore. When you get to this point where you've said, I'm taking the leap, I'm making this work, and I'm going to have fun. And I also, I don't want to forget this, because as I had said at the World Domination Summit, travel, adventure, and service, the service portion has to be an important part of what you're doing. And I hear that from the people who you've interviewed, the service element of why they're doing their interviews and doing their shows. But service is so much more, and the educational component is so important. I do a series every month called the Speaking of Travel Plus Climate Listening Project series with a young woman who is a climate expert. Now, we're not saying anything political about climate change, but she comes every month and brings guests. She brings the guests around a theme, sustainable travel, how to leave a smaller footprint, climate change, what are solutions. One of my most popular shows was about a wood thrush migration 
from Belize to the Great Smoky Mountains. People called me after that show because they were so moved. And there were solutions. And I had people from the Audubon Society on the show, on the phone while she's in the studio. So every month, we look at how can we educate people to solutions to make change happen, to make this a better world. And that has to be an important component in podcasting. I agree 100%. 100%. Well, Marilyn, this has been so much fun. I've had a blast. Me too, this. Travis. I just love this. We should do a show <laughs> together sometime. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so much fun. Well, I've got, I know. One, got one more question for you. So if you had a time machine that could go back in time to the day before you first started your radio show, and you could offer yourself one piece of advice, what do you think you would say to yourself? Remember what patience is about. You know, I, I've lived in the forest for many, many, many years and learned so much from the forest that nothing happens overnight. You have to have a seed, and it has to grow to a seedling, and then eventually, over time, it becomes the big tree. And as simple as that metaphor is, Sometimes patience is overrated. And if I were able to go back and say, Marilyn, you want to do this, there's something intuitively telling you that this is your path. Be patient. Pay attention. That's what I would tell myself. If you find yourself dreaming of visiting far-off places and love listening to people's travel stories, make sure to check out Speaking of Travel at speakingoftravel.net and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you wish that you could be featured on a future episode of Podcasting in Real Life? Well, you can. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes and fill out a short application. Just answer a couple questions to get your name in the door. And if today's episode was really helpful for you, especially that sponsorship piece that Marilyn shared, I would love to hear your thoughts. What do you want to apply for your show? There's two ways you can do that. One, if you have an iPhone, you leave a review in Apple Podcasts, and that's like double duty. It helps us promote the podcast to other podcasters, and then also gives us that feedback of what you learned. But if you don't have an iPhone, you can always jump into our podcast Facebook group on Facebook, obviously, and let us know there as well. And then make sure to stick around for the bonus episode coming out on Friday where I answer Marilyn's number one question about podcasting. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep podcasting.